Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. Over the last few years, the Oregon agency that oversees housing has seen its budget nearly triple. It's not exactly a surprise. Oregon Housing and Community Services has been at the center of some of the most vexing problems the state is facing. Responding to homelessness, preventing it in the first place with rental assistance, and working to increase housing production and affordability. The agency has gotten a mix of news in the last month. They have exceeded their goals for new shelter beds and rehousing homeless people. At the same time, a new state audit found serious issues about the way they dispersed pandemic-era relief. Andrea Bell is the executive director of Oregon Housing and Community Services. She joins us now. Welcome back to the show. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. The latest data, which is current through last month shows that in terms of new shelter beds, rehousing homeless people, and keeping people in their homes, you have exceeded all of your stated targets, sometimes significantly. Rehousing was 41% higher than the goal. Shelter bed creation was 52% higher. I am not used to asking public officials about successes like this. Um, (laughs) What went right? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Well, you know, the executive order, the Governor Kotex executive order on homelessness was really birthed out of an acknowledgement and a, a stark understanding that the experience of homelessness has increased uh, in so many communities across the state. So if you can think about the last year, it really was for us really uh, creating a vehicle from uh, the 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 goals that are stated within that executive order to where we're at today. And as you mentioned, all three of the, uh, the goals that were cited within that executive order were uh, certainly achieved and 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 exceeded in that. Um, but I think what we have in front of us is really a new chapter, um, not just for the state of Oregon as an entity, but I think the state of Oregon as a whole. I mean, I think there are so many people across the state uh, that are have so much care and concern about where we are going in terms of addressing the experience of homelessness, are we even making progress? And I think what we have in here in front of us is uh, a way of being that has yielded progress, not just in an abstract level, but in the lives of people that we serve. And so I think one of the things amid uh, a few things that went really right as we look back at this effort is uh, really a demonstration of what is possible when state government, uh, local partners really come together really focused on regionalized strategy. So this is about the state showing up in a way that is uh, supporting local efforts that have been uh, taking place for quite some time, but really uh, with an enlightened goal, uh, much more focus on uh, outcomes. Does this mean that the goals should have been higher to begin with? I mean, if you exceed them by 41% or 52%, were they just too low? Well, I think what we're holding is sort of two things. And I think we've often said, you know, part of our job in this is we got to be able to chew bubble gum and walk at the same time. And what I mean by that is we are holding that certainly there is progress. I mean, when you think about rapid rehousing alone, just for example, when you think about the scale of rapid rehousing that was achieved with the executive order, over 1,800 households, that's over 1,800 households that have been rapidly rehoused in an environment 
where we all know we don't have enough affordable housing. And so I think to the question of should the goals have been higher, I think the overall goal, the overall intention is to uh, continue to make progress on homelessness. And that is what our focus will be uh, both now in front of us, but then as we go forth uh, ahead. I think part of the work in this is to figure out from each community what we need to embrace as part of going forward. What were the strategies that actually worked and we need to do more of that? And what are the things that we maybe thought worked and we sort of need to relook at that and revisit them as we continue our way uh, forward? What are examples of those? What can you tell us now does work and what do you think should be put aside? Yeah. Well, I think uh, one of the things that we talked a lot about really early on when we were thinking about what is going to be the vehicle that is going to get us to progress? What is going to be the vehicle that we can look back and say that uh, it is something that we not just created for the sake of creating, but we created it and it actually had a meaningful uh, impact for, uh, uh, for the betterment of lives for the people that we serve. And so in those conversations, so if you can think about all of the local folks that are delivering services every day, folks from the state all coming together to really think about what these strategies look like. I think one of those uh, strategies certainly was uh, thinking about the uh, the importance of having a focus on uh, street outreach. Um, so think about uh, the people that are entrusted with uh, creating those relationships, understanding the needs of people, and really um, uh, helping to meet people's goals as they see them and as they define them. And many of those strategies such as that, those were all really developed locally. Each of the communities submitted their plan. They submitted their own strategies. Part of our role at the state was to uh, understand what the strategy was, understand how we're going to get to progress month by month over time. But then also understand where do we as the state also need to take, uh, you know, take a step back to be able to support uh, the plans within that. And so over time, that is what we saw some of those strategies uh, come to bear. And then ultimately that have yielded in really what is historic progress uh, in this particular moment and on this uh, particular issue. Okay. So that's so, so street outreach at the very, mm -hmm. you know, personal level that is, that's successful in general. What do you think is less successful? I think in terms of like what is less successful is I think it is less about one particular strategy, but the uh, the approach to it. So I'll give you a good example of that. Um, you know, when we look at other states who have engaged in work similar to this, um, one of the things that we have seen that doesn't typically work so well is when uh, the state is uh, mandating and uh, describing and detailing how the work needs to happen, not just what needs to happen, but how it needs to happen. The reason why we find that those strategies often are less effective over time is because as the state, we have an important role, but we're also not the end all be all. We're not in each community to know intimately uh, the experience of homelessness in each community, how that varies from Jackson County to Lane County to Washington County. It's really people in those communities that know that best. So as we think about the things that has worked, that is why we believe that having that local and state uh, partnership in that really based in accountability is the most effective way. And I think as we think about what is going to continue to yield progress, it is having regionalized strategy and the state supporting those regionalized strategies with a focus on 
uh, outcomes. I want to turn to the recent audit by the Oregon Secretary of State's office that I mentioned briefly at the beginning. It found that your yeah. agency was not really prepared to manage the immense increase in money that you are putting out, federal money. This is emergency rental assistance, um, almost half a billion dollars during the COVID-19 pandemic. Have your accounting methods changed since then? Yeah, I mean, I think you named something that is uh, important as we think about the pandemic and particularly this particular program. So $426 million uh, to help keep over 67,000 households served. And, you know, what unusual time, certainly the pandemic was, but I think um, there was a, a specific point of day in and day out stressor. I think if we can think about people that are struggling to get by and what that looks like, what that stress is day in and day out. I think one of the things that we really gleamed from uh, operating that program, and I think what the audit really helped reaffirmed is, you know, that balance between speed, um, uh, flexibility enough for folks to be able to engage and uh, get access to the services they need. Because at the end of the day, that's what you want, your state government showing up and making things a little bit easier. But certainly one of the things that the audit also reaffirmed it help us think about is some of the things that don't always feel like the most exciting topics, uh, which is sort of how you operate a program, some of the checks and balances that you put in place, and ultimately how you track outcomes. And so uh, for example, with the executive order work, uh, we receive uh, data uh, weekly and monthly from each community, from each participating community. Um, that uh, process has allowed us to understand how many people are being engaged in, uh, what are the outcomes that we are seeing, um, and then over time, really understanding from a state perspective, how does that day-to-day -day work that's happening in each community uh, tell the picture of where the outcome is? So certainly, unusual times, certainly the pandemic were, but I think there were uh, moments that, uh, things that we certainly have taken and adapted to really learn uh, uh, for some of the current work that's in front of us. I, I want to make sure I understand what you're saying here. I mean, so, for example, the auditors wrote, and this was about the pandemic-era money, the number right. of total applications paid has been reported as about 56,000 or about 65,000 or over 67,000. So, and But we started by talking about the recent numbers that, that your office has put out showing, um, you know, that you w well exceeded goals. I'm wondering... Basically, how much trust we can put in those numbers, given that just a couple years ago, there was a lot yeah. of discrepancy about numbers. Yeah. Well, certainly, I one of the things I think about is the relationship between uh, trust, particularly public trust as a government agency, and then outcomes. Um, and so one of the things, for example, with uh, the emergency rental assistance program, um, that program for anything that the agency has administered, even to date, there's really not anything quite compared to that, just uh, given the scale of the resources, the scale of the program, and then all of the inflow of information that is uh, that is coming into that. And so when we think about public trust for just the outcomes with the executive order, for example, we have been able to uh, set up a, a data infrastructure where we get real-time data, that data is validated, we spend time doing that, which is why really early on with the executive order, 
we really set up a uh, public-facing dashboard where people could look at that data over time. And even why we said that last month that the data that we provided was preliminary data. So it's about taking the time to really uh, validate that data, not only from a local perspective, but from a state perspective. And I think that larger part of what you mentioned around public trust is being able to really describe the outcomes and describe how we got there. That's something that I think that we'll continue to focus on specifically when we talk about the building of affordable housing, but then uh, outcomes related to homelessness is really making sure that there's uh, a clear uh, and transparent way of uh, describing how we get to understanding the outcomes that people want to see and the outcomes that were uh, that are in front of us. Let's turn to the production of housing. You are a member of the governor's Housing Production Advisory Council. Yes. It's a group she put together to develop a plan or plans to increase housing production immensely, 80% over recent levels, meaning an additional 363,000 homes over the next 10 years. One year in, has there been any meaningful increase in production? Yes. So the Housing Production Advisory Council, which is uh, just by way of orienting, we have never had something such as that in the state. And what I mean by that is uh, oftentimes if people hear committees or councils, they're sort of curious about what they're up to and what it all means in terms of actual progress. Well, over the last few years, I don't think it's any surprise that we don't have enough affordable housing here in Oregon. We need housing in all of its shapes and sizes. Even though we are building uh, almost triple the amount of affordable housing than we have even prior to 2019, for example, in all corners of the state and all types of housing models, uh, it isn't enough. Even though we have built more housing, it simply isn't enough. So the intention of the Housing Production Advisory Council is it brings together uh, folks from all across the state that touch all points of building affordable housing. So not just on the financing side, but you think about land use, you think about uh, permitting, um, all of the components that get us to a place where you see uh, dirt uh, on the ground to an affordable housing development. The intention of that group was really to say, if we're going to build more affordable housing, uh, let's kick the tires, let's look under the hood and lay out some very clear things without uh, uh, sort of being shy about it. Uh, what are some things that we need to tackle and what are some of the things that we need to do differently in order to build more affordable housing? We haven't had that before. And so I think part of what we now have in front of us is 50 plus very clear strategies for folks across the state that will go to the governor to consider uh, not only in terms of financing, but the way that we build and how do we do that in a way that is efficient? How do we do that in a way that is quicker and a way that is going to give us more uh, more outcomes? The issue that got the most attention from the recommendations from the Advisory Council is a proposed set of huge tax increases that collectively would bring in $3 billion in new revenue. They include increases in personal income tax, property tax, payroll tax, fuel tax, and would create a sales tax. Mm -hmm. All of that basically is a political non-starter this year. The, the governor's office has made that very clear. I don't want to talk mm -hmm. about the politics of that, but the policy. Why did the council suggest the need for more money? Yeah. Well, the question that was in front of the council is, what are the things that we should or could explore to build more affordable housing, right? So when you ask a question so broad, all of us are going to put together anything that we can reasonably consider that is strategically going to move things forward. Now, I think the key point of this is 
all of them uh, in totality at this point are all recommendations. So uh, what will end up going forward, what won't end up going forward, I think that has yet to be uh, fully determined and realized. But I think what we know for sure is that there is too much at stake. I mean, there is not a day goes by that I don't get a letter from somebody, that I don't get a letter from a teacher, I don't get a letter from uh, a neighbor that is concerned about the cost of affordable housing, the fact that it is out of reach for too many people. And part of what our role and responsibility is to this is uh, tackle the big question and not only just point to a problem, but we got to get to a point of where we have some real credible solutions in front of us. And some of those recommendations will aid in uh, what the forward way is going to be like as we continue to build more affordable housing and do it in a way that's uh, a little bit more efficient, a little bit more streamlined and uh, get to uh, a place where people have more options. Andrea Bell, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Andrea Bell is the executive director of the state agency, Oregon Housing and Community Services.